0: Is Larry brave enough to experience me, is the question. Welcome to the Queendom. Your host, Lauren Morticini hello all my queens and kings of the motherfucking queendom welcome back to thy queendom come i am your host lauren and on today's episode i will be sharing with you a conversation that i had with a very dear friend of mine brandon morales surrounding religion christianity and wait for it sex of course and a little bit of an extra treat is that as I am editing this episode, my girl Maddie is here. Yurt. <laughs> she says yurt now because of me. Okay. <laughs> and Maddie has also been raised in a very traditional Christian household. And the bitch has some shit to say. So we're gonna be kind of tapping in to Brandon and I's conversation for just a little bit of extra input. So with that, let's just jump right into it.
1: I need to protect Lauren's purity. (laughs) Testing.
0: Today, I am here with a very special guest. I've been very excited about this episode for so long.
1: Mm. I am here
0: with my good friend, Brandon. Hello. Brandon and I went to college together at a private Christian university. Mm -hmm. And after college, uh, well, Brandon was raised as an evangelical Christian Mm -hmm. and post-college has worked in the nonprofit Christian sector Mm -hmm. and has also volunteered in churches. So uh, thank you for being here.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm
0: so excited you're here. You're You're my first Male guest, Mm -hmm. which I'm extremely excited about because when I set out on this journey, I really wanted to make sure that our men were not alienated in this conversation, right? I think empowerment includes us all. Absolutely. And... Healthy conversations between men and women is what brings us closer together, mm-hmm. and we can talk about the toxic shit that goes on, and we can come into it with an open mind and yeah. an open heart. So yeah. I'm really excited to have you here.
1: Absolutely. Well, I'm really happy to be here. I'm I'm honored that you would trust me in this space and that you trust me as your friend. And I hope that whatever I share today is more helpful than harmful. <laughs> and as a quick disclaimer, too, um, just like everybody else listening to this, I'm. I'm in process, just like the rest of you. And the beliefs that I hold today may not be the beliefs uh, that I hold tomorrow, but I think it's important that we have these dialogues continue to learn, grow, and explore the ways that we have been harmful to each other so we can help heal together. Because I think that harm happens in relationship. And because of that, I think healing can happen in relationship too.
0: Yes, I absolutely love that. And that's, you know, one of the reasons that I asked Brandon to be on this episode is because I've seen his journey. I've watched your journey over the last couple of years. And I think you're you are you're so wise. But Thanks. in the sense of just you're so self-aware and you're always willing, what you said about your beliefs, you're always willing to examine them and to reevaluate them and to decide if they still hold true for you. Yeah. So the other thing that I wanted to touch on before we really get into it, and I thought that this was a perfect time to bring it up, is that I have been so amazed with the way that men have responded to this podcast. Hell yeah. Yeah. It's been incredible. You know, I feel like it's so common for us to just talk about toxic masculinity and for us to attack and for us to be like, all men are trash, Mm. but that conversation doesn't really get us anywhere. And what I've realized through this is that men are actually so willing and so open to learn and to have conversations and to also like take responsibility for where they have fucked up
1: sure absolutely
0: and so i've been i've just been so overwhelmed with this idea that we always are like all men are trash all men are trash like i hate fucking men but then at the Mm. same time we all secretly kind of deep down want these loving connections with men. Yeah. So it affects our own minds as much as it affects who we're trying to talk to. But if we're constantly attacking and if we're constantly going at it from this angry space, yeah. not to say that there's not that anger is it's not totally warranted. valid
1: and warranted. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But there's certainly a space for it. Right. Because if I come at you with this all angry and shit, nobody's going to be able to hear me. Nobody sure. is going to be able to receive me.
1: Yeah. And thankfully, I don't think that that is the the perspective or the posture that you've held so far Um, and so that's been helpful for me and I haven't felt alienated by it Mm -hmm. maybe it's because of the personal relationship that we have and that's been established I see that what you have shared so far has had a posture that's been open and I think it's it's beautiful that you're sharing the both and in that yes men have been harmful and also yes men can also be part of the healing absolutely um, absolutely
0: yeah, absolutely. And that something we were talking about earlier was this idea that in an evolutionary standpoint, men were eons ago where they had to separate their money, their body, their mind and their spirit yeah. to survive.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But as we've evolved, I feel like that's caused a lot of men to be very detached from yeah. not only their bodies, but also their feelings and their emotions and not only being able to process them, but to be able to healthily articulate them to the outside world. And I think that that is what toxic masculinity Mm, is in a sense of, you know, anger outburst of anger is just a sign that there are needs that have been deeply, deeply unmet. And it just makes me wonder what it would be like to address toxic masculinity with this heart of compassion versus attack attack because there's just so much healing here for all of us yeah so right now you know i just wanted to start by saying thank you to the men who have come to this so openly and yeah hell yeah like good for you for showing up i like we all appreciate it and then we're kind of gonna go from here to talking about my personal experiences within the church and then Mm -hmm. i would like to hear about yours and then from there i actually want to tie in how religion and sex have been related and how maybe there's been some uh some turbulent waters there (laughs) this is also light
1: (laughs) light work today what an easy topic to tackle yeah thanks lauren
0: you're so welcome and this is also the i don't know if i should say
1: thank you or beep (laughs)
0: maybe hey, you. maybe wait <laughs> until the end of the episode to thank me yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this cheers. is also yes cheers this is also the first episode that is going to be uh, recorded video recorded and put online so if you guys are interested in that um
1: how can people purchase this episode to watch
0: <laughs> purchase this episode it'll be purchased for free on the youtube
1: beautiful love that
0: yeah it is available to all so hello um, youtube Hello, YouTube. I've already finished my first glass of wine. Speaking of religion. Yay. I love that sound.
1: And that one. It's like ASMR right in the mic. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. So I guess I'll just start by talking about my own experience growing up in my church um, journey. I was raised in the south in, a, in the bible belt nice a little city in mississippi i wouldn't even call it a city it's like a town it's <laughs> a little town in mississippi and i went to a private christian school up until fourth grade but my family wasn't a super church family we didn't go every weekend or anything like that mm. but i was still very heavily influenced by the overall narrative that Exist there. Yeah. And I also remember feeling kind of shamed because my family weren't huge church people. Mm. But I would go with my friends. And I remember one time, I was definitely in grade school, but I remember hearing one of my friend's moms tell them, Oh, no, honey, we don't talk about this in the Lord's house.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> oh, like,
0: God. We don't talk about these things in church. Mm-hmm. And I remember in my young mind thinking, wait, is this the only place that your God can hear you? Mm. And also, yikes, are we, are there places outside of this space that we can hide? And are there parts of myself that I shouldn't bring to this space? That's supposed Oof. to be this like over, you know, this loving God. <sighs> yeah. And I just felt yeah. a lot of, judgment in that space. And I mean even something that's kind of a joke in the south is, you know, when you go to church and they're just like, "Oh, bless your heart."
1: Hmm. And
0: it's like that is an absolute like sh- like backhanded it's a passive aggressive. Yeah. It's
1: like, so, a, "Oh, honey."
0: "Oh, honey," you know. So I remember being <laughs> young and already thinking like, i I'm not sure that this God is, is, is a God that I want to be involved with necessarily.
1: Yeah. Sounds like a judgmental asshole. Right. His uh, people are.
0: Yeah. Oh, damn. You said what you Sorry. said. Sorry, <laughs> That
1: just kind of came out.
0: Um, so going forward, then I moved to California and had you know, I called myself maybe a Christian. I had been baptized like three fucking times. I got baptized so the many first times. first time wasn't enough. You know, exactly. This. This I stunker really, three times. I literally remember my dad saying that when I was a kid when I went I'm to so my second, sorry. My second <laughs> baptism was sure. the first time wasn't enough. It wasn't good enough. It didn't work. Um But that's something too. Yeah. First of all, like getting baptized and you know dedicated to the church before you're even old enough to make that decision for yourself that's That's totally a, a different thing but um as i moved to california i called myself a christian but i was certainly not a practicing one and then some of you have heard in the first episode i was in a relationship that when it ended ultimately sent me into a very very dark Space. And in that space, I completely rejected anything that was divine, anything, any kind of God. I remember being like, you know, if there is a God, then how can the shit exist, essentially? But then about six months into that, my grandmother was in California and she begged me to take her to a church. And at this point, I felt like I was holding on to life by a string. And I will say, I mean, the church that I walked into gave me so much hope. And the people that I found there really were such a huge part in my healing. But then going forward, I ended up working or doing volunteer staff at a huge mega church in Hollywood. And I remember being on the volunteer staff, and I was in the process of healing, but I would definitely did not, I didn't even know who I was in mm-hmm. this sense. And, I mean, I would literally, like, go hide in my car on my brakes and around the corner and smoke cigarettes. (laughs) And I was also having sex with one of the dudes that was on my team. And I felt like there was all this shit about me. I still liked to, like, drink. And I, you know, had thoughts that weren't necessarily allowed in that space.
1: Did it get in the way of the role that you were playing, like? If you're a part of a welcome team, did it make you any less welcoming?
0: Of course not. I'm an extremely welcoming person. <laughs> well,
1: so what's the problem?
0: Well, the problem for me was that I'm being I no, I know you're being facetious. <laughs> 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 but the problem for me was that I felt I had to put on this mask every time I went in there, and that if yeah. people knew who I truly was, if they knew what I did in my free time, then they would not look up to me or, you know, even respect me or allow me into this space. So just a note here, Maddie and Lauren. Hello, hello. (laughs) And this concept really has me thinking, and I noticed it back then about how in the church, a lot of times recovered addicts or people who used to have promiscuous sex or people who prayed the gay away, it's <laughs> like they are celebrated for being these types of recovered sinners, right? Because they used to be so bad and terrible, but now they're they're pure and they're clean and they've been saved. But when people are in that space, when people are actually dealing with a lot of these life things, they are cast aside. They're deemed as bad.
2: They're seen as as evil. Yeah. I don't know if churches really want to be in the middle of helping you during that process or if they just want to be a part of the celebration afterwards because they can take credit for it in yeah. some way.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. It's like they talk about bring your brokenness here bring your, your burdens, but I never felt that anyone actually wanted to hear them or that I could share them in a way that would be received non-judgmentally. I actually saw while I was there, you know, so many incredible leaders who, or people on the connections team or whatever, who would eventually come out as, as gay and they would be cast off. They wouldn't be allowed to serve based on who they were. And not only does that message traumatize them as individuals, but what are we teaching our people? Like what are we teaching the people that you're preaching to, to not accept certain types of human beings just based on...
1: Well, I think we should unpack that too. So your the role that you're playing, if you don't do your job, then maybe you shouldn't be in that role, right? right. But if you're sexual preferences or your gender identity doesn't take away from you doing the role that you're playing within a spiritual context. I, for me personally, I don't understand why you can't be in that role.
0: Absolutely not. And I think some people might say, oh, well, you know, it's just in the Bible, it says that you can't be gay. You can't, but then it just breaks down. Exactly. So then first of all, there's, you know, a ton of actual research on even just the word, Homosexuality in the Bible, how it's been translated. It was originally pedophilia. Um (laughs) why would they want to take that out of the Bible? I don't know. Pedophilia
1: is different (laughs) than homosexuality?
0: What? Imagine that. But I mean, even even if it does say you can't be gay, I'm sorry. Again, that's not a that's not a God that would discriminate based on that. That's not a God I want to serve. I wanna serve a being that is inclusive that includes us all and not only our sexual preferences but our darknesses are fucked up shit i mm-hmm. want to be able to talk about that stuff yeah. in you know the lord's house quote unquote mm. and so you know and i was also at this time i ended up going to the private university azusa pacific where you and i met and i went for the global studies program but then we had to take all these Bible classes and theology classes. And for the first time, I was looking at the Bible in a scholarly way
1: yeah.
0: versus the way that we often learn about it in church, which is let's just tie a bow around this. There's many really more know.
1: dimensions to scripture.
0: Yeah. Exactly. We cherry pick them and we say, OK, here you go. Now, here's the feel good verse without ever breaking down the context of which it was written, you know, who was writing it? Who were they writing it to? What was the social construct of the time? What was the political landscape? We never actually look at the context in, in the church.
2: Maddie on the mic here. And not only are people not looking at the context of the Bible, they're also not looking at the fact that it's been translated a million fucking times over. A million times. And it's basically like a game of telephone at this point. What parts of the Bible now were a part of it back then? And if there's an original copy of the Bible somewhere, someone please fucking send it over. I'd love to look at it and compare Spark Notes. And also please send a Hebrew translator. Yes, because it's going to be in fucking Hebrew.
0: And when I started to look at that, when I started to study it, I just started to kind of see the holes. But even at, you know, APU, it's this Christian church. Everyone's in chapel. But it's no secret that everyone's like batshit crazy in their free time. Me too. You know what I'm saying? And everyone's, everyone's doing all this crazy shit, drinking, partying, having sex. But then at school in chapel, everyone's acting like they're all holier than thou and judging Mm -hmm. each other based on the same shit that you're doing. And it just felt like this crazy judgmental space where I was like, first of all, I'm finding holes in the church's way of preaching and interpreting the Bible and I'm seeing how people just blindly follow this shit without ever asking any questions and also was experiencing feeling judged myself and so then after I graduated I was definitely at this point I was no longer working at the church I felt very disconnected and I didn't feel comfortable saying that I was a Christian but I knew that I believed that there had to be something. I've had Mm -hmm. too many spiritual, incredible moments that are, it's just, they feel divine to not believe that there's some type of greater force out there. But I was not okay with saying, you know, I'm a Christian. So around that time is when I booked a one-way ticket to Thailand and started meeting all of these people in spaces that a traditional Christian would never be even caught dead in, and the people that I went to church with, I even felt judged across the world for being in these party spaces or being Don't in these have crowds. Better, like
1: something better to do than right to hyper-examine and judge someone else's life, like, exactly. In their journey? Like,
0: <laughs> no, but I remember one time in Thailand, I was at this crazy party, dude. Like people were drinking on drugs, and it just all over the place in a space that is seen so dark that a Christian shouldn't be in, which my first thought was, aren't these the spaces that we should be in, in the sense, like seeking out the loss, seeking out the dark. But then when we actually go into them and actually do connect with this side of humanity, we're judged and, and deemed as, you know, shitty Christians. But then the other thing I realized when I was abroad during this time is I met a lot of non-Americans and, Christianity is a
1: little different. Yeah.
0: Christianity and and spirituality in general is just very different outside of America. And I started to realize all of these people. Except
1: for the places that we've colonized with our missionaries.
0: Yes. Well, that's a whole fuck.
1: That's a whole difference. That's a world I was a part of, for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, just a side note on that. I mean, it's very insane to me that our biggest export is missionaries and we, (laughs) <laughs> it is. And we go to places having no idea of, of the culture or the setup or the history, and we just put our ideologies and put our beliefs on them. And this is kind of what I, I realized is that, yeah, so through the well I'm backtracking, but basically I learned all of these people who have all of these different beliefs, people who were not Christian and all of a sudden I'm being accepted, I am being loved who I am began to kind of emerge in a space where I felt accepted. And I was like, wait, these are people who are, these are people who a typical Christian would come over and try to beat with their Bibles over the head. But I've, I feel more loved and accepted by these people who do not claim a religion, who do not claim the church than I ever did when I was inside the church. And then that kind of led me on a journey to looking into other religions and studying other religions. And what I kind of realized is that, there was so much truth in all of them. Mm-hmm. There are so many universals and there is no truth capital T and all of our belief systems are, are based on our culture's history, our people's history. And I started to wonder, you know, if we have this, such a, this big God, how arrogant is it to think that we here in America have been given the only way to God, right? Like, is he really that big? Did he only create one way? And it's something I've thought about a lot when in the Bible, even when I talk about context, he says, Jesus is the only way for the people who were being read to at that very time when this book was written. Jesus was the only way, but they weren't writing to us of 2021. I think if huh. the divine is the divine, you can't break it into there's no your God or my God. It's, it's all the the same divine source energy and the way in which we get to that is based on our people's culture. And that's one thing I love about even Hinduism Mm -hmm. is that, you know, they don't say Jesus didn't exist. Neither does Islam. Like a lot of these religions, they don't say Jesus didn't exist. I'm not saying Jesus didn't exist. So that's when I kind of started realizing that, you know, should, if this big God that we, that we worship would If he's so amazing and so loving and so caring, would really somebody who was born in another religion and another culture really go to hell simply because they haven't met your version of God? And it just didn't make sense to me. And so that's when I feel like I fully let go of my quote unquote Christianity. And honestly, now where I sit is I no longer claim Christianity or religion, but I have never been so in touch with the divine. Once I took it out of the box of what's right and what's wrong. And these, you know, once I took it out of the church, I started to experience God, the source, divine energy, the universe everywhere. You know, I, a butterfly flying by is, feels like a message from the divine. A conversation with someone feels like I am in conversation with the divine. Sometimes I'll be having a conversation in my head and a song will come come on and it feels like a message from the divine again. And I just think that, you know, we talk a lot about like spirituality these days and people talk shit about it, but spirituality is everything, you know, I don't sit down to to pray. I don't get on my knees and pray. I feel like I am in constant communication with the source of this universe, whatever yeah. it may be.
1: Absolutely.
0: So that's where I'm at. And I would love to hear about your journey. Where's my vape? <laughs> where's my vape? Fuck. The most asked question of
2: 2020 for sure. Honestly, where's my
1: vape? Where's my where's other my
2: stuff? Where are my other substances?
1: In my substances, I mean devotionals, my commentary, Bible study, and watching the Chosen, the Christian <laughs> TV show. On
2: I just recently vid <laughs> Wait, I was
0: I was just talking uh, to a friend yesterday who was telling me about how she was only allowed to watch the Christian channel in her household. And there was some ridiculous show that Billy Ray Cyrus was on. Oh no! And so she, you know, and he was apparently like this Christian doctor. Poor
1: Hannah. I know, Miley. Yeah, no wonder. <laughs> Me too, dude. Me, too. Me and Miley have more in common today than we ever have. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but she was like, he was a doctor on this Christian show, and obviously all the women liked him. So Billy Ray Cyrus was like her first real crush because he was the only man that she really could objectify because all she saw was the fucking Christian channel growing up. Sits Here's a non,
1: non-vegetable. non Wow, that voice comes out of a human, not a tomato or a cucumber.
0: Veggie <laughs> tales.
1: Larry's looking real nice.
0: But do you think that's why teenage girls experiment with carrots?
1: Cucumbers. And
0: cucumbers and eggplants. Because of fucking veggie tails. Hey there,
1: Bob! Yeah. Oh no! Oh god, Bob! No. Larry, <laughs> come here!
0: Bob, look what I found! Larry,
1: please. I found Larry.
2: An endless world of possibilities oh my god. in between these flappy wings. Are you
1: brave enough? Are you brave enough to experience Larry?
2: Larry the cucumber is, is Larry brave enough to experience me,
0: is the question.
1: I don't know. Larry, Larry, thick and like he's and he's kind of like ridgy, like you know, he's got like
2: wow, good god, rib for her pleasure, much like in a fucking like a fucking accordion in my pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Larry the
0: cucumber is that an accordion? Do I have the right pussy instrument pleasure. here? The one that goes like
2: this. <laughs>
1: Are we still recording? Oh, yeah. Fuck! (laughs) No, we're not!
0: Oh, we most definitely... I I know I told you we could edit things out, but this is not one of the things.
1: No, Lauren!
0: That can't go out! Okay, we can talk about this later, but I really think this is an important segment. (laughs)
1: So we're talking about my experience with the church. So I was raised in a Christian home. My parents both went to church. It was an evangelical church here in California. and I did the regular Christian church kid thing where we went to church on Sundays. Every Wednesday was a Bible study or a youth group. And during the week, I was in a Christian elementary school, then a Christian junior high where we learned about the bible just in the same way that we had learned about english and science and math. We pledged allegiance to the United States and we also pledged allegiance to the Christian flag. Oh, every I morning.
0: also went to a – I'm sorry to cut you off but oh, I went to good. a private Christian school up until fourth grade. Yeah. And we would do the pledge of allegiance and then the pledge do you still remember the, it? the pledge of allegiance to America. Uh-huh. Somebody asked me this recently and I honestly, I I really don't. Yeah. But I definitely don't remember the pledging of allegiance to the Bible, which we also, we also did.
1: Yeah. I remember that white flag with like the red cross cross. on it or something.
2: I'm sorry. What about separation of church and state? (laughs) Isn't there supposed to be a separation? Y'all had to say the pledge of allegiance and then pledge your allegiance to the Christian flag. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? No. Are you joking? Not joking. That's ridiculous
0: there is no separation of church and state no there's not in and they're supposed to be yeah they're absolutely fucking supposed to be and the people who are like super dick hard about upholding you know the founding fathers beliefs yeah well right? i mean
2: even in the pledge of allegiance it does say under god indivisible or something right. like that so right. what the fuck what the fuck what the fuck have we been lied to no not at all
1: yeah so i i that's fascinating it is So in this same institution, I pledged allegiance to my country. I pledged allegiance to my religion. I studied academically scripture in the same place that I studied science. And then in my free time, the community I experienced was Christians and church and youth group where we sang songs, where we played games. And we were told what to do, what not to do, what to believe, what not Mm. to believe. All the while... Granted, I think all of these things were done with good intentions and by people who didn't maybe understand the depths of some of the actions and the systems that we're all a part of. Mm -hmm. I think that they genuinely love God or the universe or whatever you want to call it. I think they genuinely have had positive experiences um, with a lot of these things, maybe not all of them. And they believe that it's true and want to share that quote unquote good news Uh, with everybody and I was in that same boat in high school I was a Christian club president at this public uh, (laughs) high school that I was a part of where we did outreaches and prayer walks and evangelism opportunities and we reported back how many people prayed to receive salvation and be saved and then I never saw them again Mm. interesting but that was part of my experience so that's what it looked like on the outside on the inside, I was a Asian kid in a dominantly white church, and none of these things to say that there's anything inherently wrong with white people or to attack white people as a whole. I'm just giving context. Of course. The school that I attended was predominantly white. There were some mixed in, but that was the predominant breakdown. And people had intact traditional families, mom and dad, kids, dogs decent area that they lived in all the while experiencing this my parents divorced when I was four dad remarried third grade mom remarried fourth grade Uh, mom divorced again in sixth grade and in junior high by that time I had experienced everything from being cheated on by a girlfriend I had in junior high Mm -hmm. at a Christian school and in any support or outbursts that I might have had in the pain that I was experiencing I was only met with discipline Mm -hmm. um, and not connection Also, in this space, right after I had experienced the second divorce before age 13 in my family, I was a lonely kid who would walk around by himself during lunch and recess. Mm -hmm. And honestly, every day I would pray that God would give me friends. I I cried myself to sleep at night sometimes asking God for people that I could even hang out with or sit at lunch with. And... I don't know if it's fair to or not, but I believe that there were teachers who saw this. I believe that there were other Christians, tr- Christian adults who saw this and continued to let it happen. And in the same space, I experienced bullying because of my ethnicity. I experienced bullying because of my parents. And in these places that were supposed to be safe, where people were made in the image of God mm-hmm. to be loved unconditionally, mm-hmm. who were part of God's family now, mm-hmm were some of the places that I experienced some of the most pain and rejection yeah so that was only at school and then we get to church I felt like a black sheet everywhere that I walked the bible study that my family or by family I mean my mom my sister and I were a part of was the single parent fellowship I remember being looked at differently than other kids and my mom was looked at differently too because we didn't participate in the same communities as everyone else. We were part of the single parent fellowship, not the intact, healthy, sure. Christian family fellowships. Yeah, And because of all these things, absolutely, I developed some mental health issues. I, mm. I developed depression. I developed anxiety. I became suicidal in junior high. And I'm sure that I lashed out. I'm sure I was a crazy, hard to control kid in the youth group. And there were some people who... Did walk alongside me. There were some people who did connect with me. One of them being my core group leader, Will Bishop. But Will was found out to have had drank a beer at a friend's party. And because of that, he was removed from leadership. Mm. And he was one of the only leaders in my entire experience with church who unconditionally checked in on me, knew me, loved, had probably had a love-hate re- relationship with me because I was a crazy junior hire. But that was one of my first experiences with you are different, you are outside of the norm, you experience things that are quote-unquote worldly, and now you are unequipped yeah, uh, or unable to lead other people.
0: I'm sorry, did Jesus not drink wine? Did Jesus' blood not
2: turn into wine? Do we not drink the vino in the church? What the fuck was he executed for? Executed? Executed? <laughs> <laughs> they took him up back and executed him. I'm sorry. They uh they banned him. They banned him. They 86ed him.
0: 86ed him. Do you think it was
2: because he drank wine or made water into wine? No, no, no. I'm talking about his his pastor person. Oh. No, Jesus wasn't Did, did, did... <laughs> Jesus wasn't 86. eighty six? Jesus. Know what the fuck that
0: means? What the fuck is 86?
2: Oh, it's a restaurant term. So like when something is out of stock, you 86 it in the computer. Oh. So when someone says you're 86, it means they canceled. You're, you're canceled.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's fun. But um, fuck that. Cheers. Cheers. And then, to make matters worse, we had a senior missions trip to Ukraine where I was questioned whether or not I would be a fit to serve God overseas and do evangelism work because I had depression mm. and anxiety. Wow. And they sat me down. They pulled me apart from the rest of the crew while everybody else was doing youth group. They essentially told me, we understand, We know about your condition and because of that, we're pretty sure that we're not going to accept you as part of this team.
0: Wow, and
1: in that moment, honestly, I don't know if this is right or wrong. I hope none of you are listening to this, but in my mind, I said, "All right, well, if God is good, if God is loving and accepting of everybody, and God can use all of the crazy things in our lives, then you he can also use my depression. He can also right. use my anxiety. And so I lied. I said that I had gone through therapy and medication, which was true, and that I was completely healed and cured. And they didn't know what to say to that, and they let me go.
0: So this goes back to my point about how we love to talk about people who have recovered and we celebrate these people yep. who used to have all these issues but the people who mm-hmm. are, you know, quote unquote broken or struggling now in process in process yeah. we don't accept them
1: because yeah,
0: no, they yeah, they're bad, they're sick, they're sinners. Mm-hmm. And that to me never sat right.
1: No. And it's one of those cognitive dissonance things that we had talked about Mm -hmm. before the episode started, which is where what I know in my mind seems different from what I'm feeling and experiencing in the world. And most of the time we tell each other to trust our gut. If something feels wrong, it probably, there's probably something wrong with that and we need to examine it Mm -hmm. and deconstruct it. Whereas when it comes to religion and spirituality and theology, we don't do that. No. It's off limits. We don't criticize, even in a loving way, we don't criticize the church. We don't criticize even lovingly our understandings of God and people and Christians. And so I started to do it. Yeah. Over the past couple of years, I have started to listen to that feeling
0: Absolutely. And just a quick point on that, you know, our feelings and our emotions are absolutely indicators Mm -hmm. that something is wrong. If we put our hand on a hot stove, it fucking hurts because if it didn't, we would burn our flesh off. If something hurts, if something is painful, if something is making something come alive in us, it's because there's a message there. Feelings and emotions are indicators but something needs, att- needs your attention. Yeah. And we are definitely taught to suppress that. We are mm-hmm. taught to ignore that because obviously if we didn't,
2: yeah. a
0: whole fucking not a good trunk look. of potatoes yeah. gets spilt out. Yeah. But to that note, I heard a quote recently and I don't remember exactly where it was from, so forgive me, but it says, contradiction is the clearest way to truth. Hmm. And. That has made so much of my own journey make sense in the sense that if I can question my beliefs, contradict them Mm -hmm. and come at them critically, completely deconstruct them and then build on top of that. And if I still arrive at the same conclusion, which it's hard for me to believe that after that process that anyone actually would, but whatever conclusion I arrive at, is going to be at least my truth because I've done the work to contradict it. Mm -hmm. And I find so often that a lot of these beliefs that we hold, you know, we're a strong, faithful Christian, but the second I, poke and prod at your beliefs mm-hmm. you shut the fuck down yeah. because these beliefs are actually so fragile yeah. because the second they're contradicted mm-hmm. all hell breaks loose
2: literally
0: but and that's where i found myself years ago with these beliefs it was like i didn't feel like i could actually clearly state them because the second someone said something that contradicted i would just be like Duh, uh, uh. But now, because I have worked through it, and like, yeah. I, like you said, my beliefs are this way today. They might be different tomorrow. They mm-hmm. may be different after our conversation, but at least I can speak confidently about them because yeah. I've actually done the work inside of myself to figure out what actually resonates. Yeah. What actually resonates with me and what was just passed on to me.
1: Yeah, or held over us Yeah, or spoken. And anytime anyone gave a question, there was some level of pressure against uh, pressure of alienation, pressure of you are no longer part of our community, pressure of whatever. And I think that churches, if you continue to share and try to give truth, connect before you correct. Always. I have been in too many church communities, youth groups, Where someone's behavior is divergent, someone's understanding of the world and of others is divergent. And instead of genuinely connecting and doing life with like we talk about in churches, Mm -hmm. we reject and we eject Mm. them from our community. And if you are someone who follows Jesus, I don't believe that apart from an abusive situation, that that's ever warranted.
0: No, absolutely not. I definitely experienced that at the church that I was working at years ago. Mm. I experienced people who were incredible, but eventually came out as gay or dealt with alcoholism Mm. or whatever, and were completely cast out. They weren't allowed to serve on teams based on these parts of themselves. And not only does that, make them feel alienated and does that, is that extremely traumatizing for them? Yeah. But what is that also teaching the people who you preach to?
1: Thou must be a certain way or else you aren't good enough for
0: us. Yeah, which you showed me. a comic. Yeah, exactly. So you showed me a comic earlier that says, as a kid I was told about God and how much he loved me and how he'd send me to hell forever if I made the wrong choices. For years, my life felt like a trap door that could open at any moment into mm-hmm. eternal suffering. And the older I get, the weirder I think it is to tell a kid something like that. Yeah, And it's so true because mistakes, and that's why I think failure and mis- mistakes are so difficult to deal with as we grow older. Because we're taught that if we're this way or that way, or if we say this or do this, mm-hmm. we're going to fucking hell.
1: Yeah,
0: But there's actually so much learning in our mistakes and in our failures. There's so much space for growth. And by ignoring that and shutting that down, not only do we not grow and do we not learn, but it's actually fucking impossible to live without making, having shortcomings or making mistakes. But then we end up living with these, these things in shame and in guilt. And what I feel like I've kind of noticed especially when I travel back to the Bible belt these days is people who they go to church and they just pray away the shame. Forgive me, O oh Lord, for I have sinned. But then they step outside of the church and they don't feel any better. And in fact, they feel worse because they're praying for the shame to be taken away, but it's fucking not. Mm-hmm. And so now they feel even worse that they've prayed and it's not working. And it's just this fucking cycle that just keeps happening.
1: Ignore and yeah. more of the cog- and we experience more cognitive dissonance.
0: Exactly. Yeah. and we run away from it instead of actually diving in and appreciating it as the human mm-hmm. experience and, and that, the fact that everything does belong here. Yes, all feelings do belong. all experiences do belong and like mm-hmm. what is there to grow from? And also, if you don't give a shit about growth, as like to feel less shitty. Yeah. Like, can we talk about these things and realize that we all deal with the same shit? Yeah. And maybe we would feel less alone. Maybe we would feel less like assholes or, you know, sinners or whatever if we could just have these open conversations. Yeah. Versus just trying to hide everything and pray
1: it away. But no, we can't because this is the only way to salvation. This is the only way to God.
0: Quick Thought on this, you know, I feel as though we are, this comic kind of goes to how we're taught about God in the sense that he is this judgmental dude on a throne who's judging our every right and wrong. And if we fuck up, we're going to hell. If we're right, you know, if we, if we don't, we're, we're righteous. And not only does that make us live in this incredible fear of always fucking up. But it also, I think, kind of goes into the judgment that we have against each other and the judgment that we have for ourselves, which is obviously the judgment we have for other people is just a projection of the judgment we have for ourselves. And obviously that makes sense if we are taught to praise this God who is this judgmental asshole. And then also it makes it difficult to connect to each other because of all of the shame and all of this fear of making mistakes. But at the end of the day, no one really connects with perfect. And I feel like maybe that's some of the reason that I at least felt so disconnected in the church because everyone had these perfect masks on that I can't fucking connect to. And we're all so afraid of stumbling and fucking up because of this ideology that we were raised to believe with.
1: So I'm in the marketing field. And one of the greatest ways to get someone to buy your product is to tell them that it's the the only good use of their time, energy, and money. Ding dong! And unfortunately, that's one of the bigger issues that I have with institutionalized Christianity is we sell it. Pastors are some of the greatest salesmen on the planet. They convince you that if you don't give your time, money, energy, and your children to their institution that you're going to experience eternal torment Mm -hmm. and that you need to remember their product throughout the week, even when you're not using it. Yeah. I don't think that that's how spirituality is intended to be experienced.
0: Absolutely not. I don't
1: think it should be commercialized like that. And I think it's an injustice to, if the scriptures are true, I think it's an injustice to them. And if God does exist in the form that you are convinced of, I think it's also way off mark.
0: Right. So I think that is a great little segue as far as how things should be quote unquote experienced and to tying in a little bit of sexuality talk with this. Great. So it's
1: going to get hot and heavy. Yeah.
0: It's going to get hot and heavy. Let me take a sip of my wine and a hit of my nicotine.
1: (laughs) The church is why I drink. The church is why I smoke. (laughs)
0: Listen. When I used to work at the church, I used to get stoned off my ass in my car, and then, and then I would go into the work. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. my soul, oh my soul, and I would just be like <laughs> transcended. All right, guys. So we took we took a quick break and just jumped right back in, but. It's going to seem like it's completely out of, out of context, <laughs> but just hang in there with me.
1: Yes, yes, square. We need to start calling it a yes, yes, square and not a no, no, square, because that's a little shameful to me.
0: It is our- it Is, is our, that our new intro? It is. Our- <laughs> <laughs> Were you recording? You are. <laughs> You're fucking yes, yes, square, because it should be- <laughs> that's- it should be a yes yes square like it like no, it's yes a no no square a yes means yes
1: and no means no no means bill no. cosby
0: yeah bill cosby god damn it you filthy animal
1: <laughs> pbs is gonna cancel us
0: listen pbs can suck my left nut actually my left labia wing instead so the it's moral it is a both and situation. The moral of this whole conversation that we just had was that perhaps, maybe, circling back to Veggie Tales, uh, this Veggie Tales situation. I oh said in one of boy, my episodes.
1: Celery. Celery. Gotta
0: be.
2: Gotta
1: be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, in one of my episodes, I talked about how women are not taught how to pleasure themselves, Mm -hmm. whereas with- I never got the talk. Really? I
2: never got the talk. You never got the talks of the birds and the bees? No, I never got the talk. Dude, I never got the talk either. I was kept home from school on that day. And you know what happened? My mom sat me down and told me that a penis goes into a vagina, and that was it. Really? Not that, you know, the American education system is any better at explaining anything other than that. I mean, but...
0: I was about to say, I mean, I have seen in schools them putting condoms on bananas, but I have never gotten pregnant by a banana. Thank God. Thank fuck. Yeah, dude. My mom was pretty cool. She bought me books.
2: That's nice. Yeah.
0: I used to like really love these sexual education books. I've always been very into it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that was weird. I was like thinking to myself, what is shame? What is so shameful about this day in school that I can't even go to class? It was mind boggling. It was very strange. And this is when I was in the thicket of going to church regularly and talking about nothing. Yeah. Talking about nothing. And that talk on that day where I was kept home from school was So vague and didn't answer any questions that I had. And I felt shameful for wondering. Yeah. Because of this, you know, religious upbringing, because it's taboo. You don't talk about it.
0: No, not at
2: all. It was awkward as fuck.
0: Yeah, I think I'm pretty lucky in that sense. My mom was always really open with me. She makes fun of me because she got me this book. And she tells people she'll never forget the day that I came into, she was in the bath and I came in there. Just very matter, as a matter of fact, very, you know, I'm so smart. And I just said, ah, oh, you know, all this time I thought babies came from your belly button. I had no idea
2: they came from your Virginia. Virginia. So matter of factly, you smart ass. Little I kid. know, smart ass bitch. I've been like get the fuck out of my bathroom. I'm taking a bath. Get in my Virginia. Get in my Virginia. I'll get in your Virginia. I bet so. I bet you will.
0: Okay. So, anyways. <laughs> anyways, where were we? We were. Oh, that's right. Talking about sex and the church. Here's Don't the touch thing. my purity balls. Stay <laughs> <laughs> away. That was so good. Don't touch my purity balls. (laughs) Okay. So sex and the church. Here's my thing. I have always, and I've shared this in other episodes. I have always been an extremely sexual bitch. I mean, I remember like sitting in church, very young, trying to imagine my pastor and his wife who were in the front row Having sex. And I really just couldn't. I couldn't imagine that it was any good. Imagine
1: (laughs) Warren's face in church. Just... And those of you listening can't see this face. But for those of you on YouTube, just...
0: No, genuinely. Stop that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so we have some thoughts on this. Um, These thoughts have some thoughts. These thoughts have thoughts. And I guess the reason I say that I can't really imagine people who grow up in the church, heavily religious, that learn about sex as a just a reproductive thing that we do versus something that we experience a ton, a shit ton of pleasure through. And also, you know, sex can be I think I love when like super elevated men instead of spilling their toxic bullshit like all over everyone else, they can kind of channel this toxic shit and then dick me down well. You know what I'm saying? Right. It can get dark. It can get dirty. It can get kinky. It can get all of these things. And honestly, like, if you grow up believing that sex is bad and then you enter into it i don't know i just see it being very vanilla you know i don't see it being a very exciting sex life just
2: personally like i was saying earlier when i was kept home from school on that day and i was only taught that penis goes in vagina makes baby that's you don't you're not taught about any of the pleasurable aspects of it you're not taught about any of the foreplay aspects of it what the fuck you're gonna make a baby with a dry ass (laughs) vagina no fucking thank you In this case, it is a no-no box. (laughs) No-no box there. Get your fucking shit out of here. It's only a yes-yes box if it's dripping wet. Thank you very fucking much.
0: I'm just wondering how, because, and I think that this goes into it, is this idea of, like, purity, right? Mm. Purity culture. Yeah, purity culture. Holy shit. Like, you are raised to think that this thing is so bad and dirty and disgusting. And then all of a sudden, with a switch of a quick ceremony. You're supposed to like fuck like animals and have the most orgasmic pleasure of your life.
2: Um, Actually, I disagree. I don't think that once once you get married in the church to your husband or wife, I don't think you're supposed to be fucking like animals. You're supposed to be having missionary sex, (laughs) no pun intended, and you're supposed to make a baby. You're not supposed to have wild, pleasurable sex. That's not, that's seen as dirty.
0: Okay, and so yes, Maybe this is the thing in my head that I couldn't connect. The reason why I couldn't see pastors and elders and people who are
2: devout in the church. I just can't see them having crazy, raunchy, fun, throw-me-on-the-ceiling sex. No, because that's not what what they want you to do. They want you to fucking get married and have a baby. That's been the traditional (sighs) reason that you get married is so you have sex and have a baby.
0: Honestly, if there are any really devout Christians listening to this, First of all, I hope you're not too pissed off with me. Second of all, if you have ragingly passionate sex life, please let me the fuck know. I want to hear from you. Yeah, I do too. But mental conditioning doesn't just change like that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just become something that was dirty and now it's clean just because of a ceremony. Like our brains don't work like that. I even told the story of the girl who pledged and committed to being a virgin until she was married and then long story short she it became her identity in her church and then when she was about to get married that's basically everything every like the only thing anyone could talk about was the fact that she was about to get dick down mm-hmm. and the night of her wedding she sat in the bathroom and cried because this thing that became her identity this thing that She, you know, it was, she was pure. She was pure. This thing that became her identity no longer existed. Mm. And the ceremony, the party, the wedding, that didn't change for her. And so I just wonder in these environments where you're taught this way, where it's this like, no, no, where it's this no, no box. Does that all of a sudden change overnight? And also for me to wrap my head around the idea of, having one sexual partner for my entire life is fucking batshit crazy like i pride myself <laughs> for what i can do in the bedroom <laughs> this is a lot of information for one of my very old friends but fuck it i'm sending it listen i i know i'm good at what i do but it's because like I've taken the time to learn and I learned things from different people and I've learned from experimenting with myself. And also the church would tell you that that's fucking bad. Experimenting, masturbating. But like masturbating isn't just something that you do to fucking bust your nut, to squirrel chasing that nut. It's literally, it's an act of self-love. It's an act of pleasure. And I have said this once, I will fucking say it a million times, put it on my fucking tombstone that the clit, on a woman has one biological function and that is pleasure. And if we're not meant to like it, are we not meant to experience that? And also I've really learned that sex is the most profound and deepest way that you can connect with another human being. It is literally a portal into such pleasure and such divinity. I feel connected to God source, the universe when I am in that moment, in a healthy way. There are certainly sexual experiences that I could have gone without. But the thing is, is if we're taught about sex as this this like no-go, it's this thing we shouldn't do, then if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. Then why does it matter who I do it with? But instead, what would happen if we were taught about it in a way where it's like, this is this sacred space, this beautiful sacred space, honor it. Honor it. Your body is a temple. This is worship.
1: Yeah.
0: How might we enter into those spaces differently versus just being shamed and condemned and told not to do it. There's Absolutely. this forbidden fruit aspect. So one of the conversations that we had that originally sparked this conversation for this episode was this Adam and Eve discussion that we had. Yeah. So I would love if I'm not even going to try, I would love sure. if you could elaborate on that a bit.
1: Sure. Can I take a quick, like, just segue to yeah. repeat back what I heard from you and some thoughts that I had? Yeah, definitely. Uh, one was we were just talking about how people get married with the intention of only having sex, and they become so fixated on sex Bingo. that they are they make it their identity, and they also make it the purpose of getting married. And I think that that that's heartbreaking to me, honestly. I think that there is beauty in monogamy for those who choose it. Um, and there's beauty in in um, yeah con- consenting commitment for those who choose it. And I think it's an injustice for us to foster a culture that makes marriage a means to an end mm. of anything, whether it be sex or whether it be a paycheck or a tax write-off or anything else. I think marriage, just like sex, needs to be an end in and of itself. Absolutely. And we shouldn't use sex for something else, nor should we use marriage for something else.
0: Yeah, and you and I both grew up in Christian environments, and it's almost a joke in the church at how people will date for like four months and then get married because they want to bone. Why not just bone and see what happens? Yeah. Is it such a bad thing? Must be. It must fucking be. But listen, I've got to listen encyclopedia fucking long. And yeah. I'm still here. And honestly, I feel like I'm thriving.
2: So it must not be that fucking bad. Okay? Yeah. That's the devil talking. <laughs> because in the church, you have to use fear to control your masses. Mm-hmm. Satan?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> And I think that there's valid reasons for those who choose to decide to wait for marriage and I consciously. Consciously, absolutely. And when it's not part of just a religious indoctrination. Yes. Um and also so a lot of the perspectives that I've shared with Lauren and that I think that we maybe camp in some of the similar camps on for mm-hmm. some things, is this both and mentality mm-hmm. that there's extreme sides of every single argument, and we believe that any single extreme side is missing out on the greater truth. Mm. Um, And it's when we are able to find the truth in both sides and find some place in the middle in that gray area that maybe that's where we find the beautiful closer thing to truth. Because honestly, at the end of the day, none of us know exactly what the truth is. Yeah. If that singular truth.
0: And if anybody says that they do fucking run.
1: Yeah, they're. They might be nuts.
0: Yeah. The smartest, most intelligent people who have ever existed realize that they don't know shit.
1: Yeah, we don't know.
0: And that's why here on the show, I am never advocating. Here I am calling myself a very wise and intelligent human being. No, not at all. I I don't advocate for one way or the other. I advocate for first and foremost, everyone should do what the fuck they want to do. But- I think that everyone should decide what they want to do based on a mindful process of thinking. Yes. And that is what we are not taught how to do. We are taught how to memorize. We are taught how to accept. We are not taught how to critically think and how to evaluate.
1: Yeah. So. Which then brings us into the idea with Adam and Eve, original sin, um, mm. that Lauren had brought up maybe a few minutes ago. So. When I was in college, I was tasked with writing a paper on ethics and my very first experience in college or around college was meeting my first friend who was gay and coming from a super traditional conservative background and then being launched into college it was it was a little bit world-shaking for me and I I'm honestly ashamed to admit that that it was it happened to be that significant of an event because it should have been normalized for me but I'm just giving the context that this was a big deal for me having my first friend who was gay who ended up eventually coming out and sharing sharing his truth and his reality with me and and some other trusted folks but throughout my experience in college I had multiple friends who shared that they Were gay. And I also had to come to terms with that with my understanding of scripture, my understanding of God, my strong and devout Christianity at the time. And here were people who loved others, who Mm. loved God, who found life in the church, but they could not be their true authentic selves or reveal their true authentic selves. And that was one of the first places that I experienced this cognitive dissonance between church institutionalized religion and my experience of God. Mm. Um, I do not identify as a homosexual male. I feel like I'm as straight as they come um, if that's possible. Uh, But also this is my experience too. And having these friends who had this experience, who loved God in the exact same way that I did and not to be accepted fully by church or unfortunately proxy accepted by God it didn't sit right with me. It never felt right either. And so, so we explored that. And this paper, the intention was to find an ethical dilemma within institution. whether And that institution was not limited to businesses. We could talk about church as well. And so in 2013, someone's going to correct me if I'm wrong. No problem. Go for it. Uh, the Supreme Court ruled that same-sex marriage would be legal. And that floored the Christian evangelical community. They had no idea what to do. And the culture war began. The war against culture of Christians standing in the name of God against the sin of homosexuality began. And the ways that Christians approached it and, again, by proxy, approached people, it never sat right with me. And so I decided that this is the paper I was going to write on. And I am no expert in any of these things. I'm no expert in the history. I'm not necessarily an expert on all of the theology. So feel free to send all of the comments and boosted engagement to Lauren's podcast. uh, Just to tell me that I'm wrong. I have no problem with that.
0: Send the haters. Send it.
1: (laughs) But here's what I uncovered for myself in genesis we have the garden of eden and god creates all of the flora and fauna in humans and he leaves one rule for them other than to enjoy this paradise with him it's to not partake of the tree of good and evil and usually we move on from that and they encounter the first sin and they thought they were better than god and they got tempted by a snake and all that jazz but i i got stuck on the tree so this tree is the tree of good and evil, right? And they are not to partake of it or else they will surely die. How do we consider something to be good or evil in this world? I think we do that every day. I think we do that when we look at each other. We call something good, something evil. Something yeah. else is evil, something else is good. So you could parse out that the tree of good and evil is also the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. Because, And God said, do not partake of this or you'll surely die. The snake said, God doesn't want you to be like him, so you can't partake in this. And if we follow the logic, then the tree of good and evil is really the tree of judgment, which is reserved for God alone. Yeah. And so God said, then do not engage in judgment or the fruit of judgment, or else you will surely die. And mm-hmm. by proxy, you will take life away from others and yourself. And so I, tr- I truly believe that the first sin is the sin of judgment, the sin of taking mm-hmm. on the hat on, on the crown of God. And calling one thing good, one person good, and another evil. And I think we do that every single day. And it's something that we, we do in regular culture. It's something we do in the church. And I think it takes life away from each other. I think that the moment we call somebody good uh, and another person bad, or we call something that someone does good or something bad, we take away, the, we take away their life and their opportunity to experience the fullness of life. And if there's anything that I partake from what's left of my Christianity, it's the removal of judgment and Mm. to let that be God's and let that be belong to the universe. Because at the end of the day, if you want to follow the biblical narrative, any judgment that we do engage in is also tainted by sin or brokenness. Mm -hmm. And so even then, even our judgment is going to be incorrect. Even our judgment of what's true, our judgment of what's wrong, our judgment of what's right, our judgment of what's good, our judgment of what's evil is going to be tainted by brokenness. Yeah. And so why? And so what's the point? And so what's the point in saying that one person is a sinner and the other person is not? And one person's lifestyle choice is good or bad? We actually don't know. No. And anybody who's been on the other side of a Christian testimony of someone who used to be so promiscuous or someone who used to be a drug addict or something. There are pieces of that story that brought them to the beautiful place that they are maybe today. Yeah. And so everything does belong. Yeah. Every every lifestyle choice does belong. Every, every existence does belong. Every perspective does belong because it can be used for people to move towards something that's more beautiful. Yeah. And so we can bring it back to the sex conversation. Sex is just one part of a million other areas that we as a culture and that people of faith have used to lord over, to profit off of, to exercise domination and control over, and to count other people out. Mm-hmm. And that breaks my fucking heart. Yeah. Because that ain't it.
0: No, it's not. And the, the part about... That story that really speaks to me is, yes, the judgment that we have for each other. But something about judgment that I feel like I've learned is that anytime we judge another person, really, we're just judging some part of ourselves. Hmm. You know, either we are judging somebody based on something that we wish we could be Hmm. or we see something that somebody has and we're upset that we don't have it somewhere deep down. So instead we decide to judge it or whatever they're doing doesn't align with my beliefs. Mm. So I'm going to judge them and call them bad. So really our judgments have everything to do with the, with ourselves Mm. and very little to do with the other person. But the part here that I'm really concerned with is the judgment that we have for ourselves. Mm. And I have experienced many times, especially when I was in the church, women specifically. I know there's men too, but women specifically who this natural sexual desire that we experience, sure, it's there and Mm. we suppress it. We act like it's not there. We try to ignore it. We pray it away. Oh, God, make me pure. All this shit. And then if we give into it, all of a sudden we're, we're dirty and we hate ourselves mm. and we, we shame ourselves and we feel guilty and we hate ourselves based on this decision that we made based on what it's based on the judgment that we have for ourselves, based on what we have decided to believe without really ever stopping to evaluate whether or not this belief actually fucking resonates with me. Yeah. And That shame and that guilt that we have for ourselves, it doesn't just stay in the box of sexuality. Yeah. You know, how you respond to one thing is how you respond to all things. And it's not compartmentalized. This shame, this guilt, it follows us out into the world and it's how we interact. We have this deep, dark secret mm-hmm. and we feel guilty and we have all these things we need to hide because if we don't hide them, we're going to be unlovable. Mm-hmm. And that for me is the biggest problem with Western Christianity in the way that it teaches about sex. Yeah, It says, don't do it. Yeah, It doesn't really give you a why. It doesn't really, except for God says that you should wait until marriage, which also, like just side note.
1: Or else you're going to hell, right?
0: Yeah, you're going to hell. But the thing, I mean, just a side, like logistical note is that this the Bible was has been translated a bajillion times over how many years and who really fucking knows what it was really meant to say when it was it was said. Sure. But all of this shame and this guilt comes from this interpretation that we have received and then all of a sudden all of us are walking around with this heavy burden we have to hide we have to feel ashamed of who we really are or we have to feel um ashamed or guilty of these desires that we have that are completely fucking natural because yeah. if they were not natural we would not have them
1: yeah the biggest word that keeps popping out to me is fear and fear let me regain my of thought
0: we love nicotine breaks
1: Slurp juice box.
0: Slurp droop. I've Slurp. drank wine out of a box before and I
1: called it my juice box. Box wine is pretty good.
0: Box wine? Listen, don't ever discriminate against box I wine. I
1: don't. I just said it's good.
0: Jesus, I'm sure, drank box wine. I don't
1: know if cardboard existed back then. In the first century. Maybe like bamboo. For a first century Nazarene Jew? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe out of like a wine skin. They had they had wine they had, they had Capri Suns. <laughs>
0: Take one Capri Sun wine, please.
1: <laughs> Bob, blast, got a blast.
0: Maybe I'm just gonna call this episode "Veggie Tales." tales
1: Chasing a, Veggie the Tales. The Veggie Tales of a Ho. Oh God, <laughs> love that.
2: Okay, back to your train of thought.
1: Yeah, what keeps coming up in my mind is the word fear. Fear yeah. of God. Fear of smiting. Fear of ejection from the community fear of judgment from people who you receive care from on a weekly basis, fear of the loneliness, fear of all of the things. And I think this can tie into some of our understanding. I know you wanted to talk a little bit later about toxic masculinity and the rejection also of men as a whole because of the experiences that we've had where we try to protect ourselves, which is completely valid and important. But I think it's also necessary for those of us who are on the side of trying to self-actualize now after healing from some of these experiences and to heal through some of these experiences is to recognize the fear that we have in some of these places Mm -hmm. and some of the ways that religion plays into our fear, fear of afterlife, fear of experience within community. And there is so much in terms of trauma theory that we can talk about with fear, but The main point that I I think that I want us to take away from this is that churches, friends, those of you who are listening, if someone is acting in a way that's different from your norm or from your perspective or your religion or even what just might seem to be socially acceptable in whatever setting you're in, somebody whose behavior is just different that you're not used to, please connect with them before Mm -hmm. you try to correct them.
0: Because different does not always mean wrong. It doesn't. And right and wrong are extremely relative. Yes. To your experiences, your culture, your upbringing, everything.
1: And I'm I'm taking this from some other trainings and other people who are way smarter than I am, but connect before you correct always. Connect before you correct always. And I'll say it one more time. Connect Connect before before you correct correct. always. (laughs) If there is some, whether it's some kid in your youth group, Whether it's a friend of yours, whether it's somebody else who is engaging in behavior that you perceive to be dangerous, whether you think it's dangerous to their salvation and eternity, or you think it's just dangerous to their health, please connect with them. Hey, what's up? What's going on? Yeah. How are you? What's going on in your life? What's going on in your world? Because I guarantee you if they're participating in anything that is genuinely unhealthy, it's not the result of them being bad or them being beyond repair or beyond hope or beyond any of those things. It's probably the result of some external factors in their life that are, are wrong. Yeah. And as, or as their leader, whether you're a pastor or you're just a friend, I think it is our part of our responsibility to really check in lovingly, genuinely, yeah, transparently and without judgment, without that level of pressure. And I think that those kinds of interactions, they disarm fear. They do. And like we said earlier in this podcast, if pain and trauma happens in relationships, they can also be healed within relationships. Yeah. And I'm sure in just a moment, we're going to transition to talking about um, the relationship between men and women and sex Mm -hmm. and religion and all that stuff. But men, my challenge to you is if there are females or anybody really, but we're talking right now specifically about females who have experienced dangerous, harmful, painful experiences with sex. And you have an opportunity to connect with them about those things, approach them without judgment. Mm -hmm. Do not be someone who's dangerous. Do not add to the harm. Don't Don't you dare compound the trauma like Lauren said and add to it, but you have an opportunity to help heal another traveler who's in process just like the rest of us.
0: Absolutely. So all of that being said, I actually have a question for you. All right. As a man who has been a part of the church and has been in relationship in the church and has had, you know, a wide range of experiences, I'm just wondering if you could speak on what you, maybe your opinion or what you've seen in regards to the way that men and women, boys and girls are maybe treated differently when it comes to sure sexuality. And then also um, what that what that dynamic looks like, maybe dating in the church or what does physical intimacy look like Oof. in that space? Yeah.
1: All right. Well, this might get a little rough. One of the first things that I can think about is growing up, we would every summer go to a summer camp up in Central California, and it was the coolest summer camp. They had huge shows, and we had big a big lake, and boats, and paintballing, and all that awesome stuff, but, but, giant butt. before free time, the very first day, they had the big ceremony where everyone says welcome, and whatever, and they send everyone outside, except for every single girl <sighs> so guys get to go play <laughs> guys get to go play, have your milkshake, like start playing basketball, take all the cool spots on the swings, whatever. But the girls have to wait back. And we hadn't, we had no idea why, but we're just too stoked to go and start playing. Right. Cause we've been sitting right. listening to sermons all day. So we find out later that the girls were kept in for an, I talk about a show Of a modesty is hottesty. Shut up. They call. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Modesty is hottesty. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was one of the things they said. It was an entire instruction to all of the girls about how they needed to portray themselves or how they needed to. What's the word I'm looking for? Cover up. Cover up. Yeah. So that's where they told girls that you can't wear bikinis and it has to be all one pieces. That's where they told you how long your shorts Dude, needed to be.
0: That's when I that, went to freaking no spaghetti church.
1: Spaghetti straps.
0: Yes. Dude, I yep. went to freaking church camp as well. Camp Sangani. Camp Sangani. Yeah. Man. And I remember being like, if anyone knows me, I like to be naked. And I like to be naked when I was a kid too. And I mean, it's hot at summer camp
1: too. <laughs> oh,
0: but like, I remember thinking... In like second grade. I'm like, why the fuck do I have to wear a one piece?
1: Because you're a sexualized second grader?
0: Yeah. Right? Gross.
1: Like, I'm sorry. Disgusting. Does my
0: belly button set you off? It must, I mean, it must be. Why Why can I see your titties and you can't... I mean, not that I of my titties out in fucking second grade, but I just sure as shit didn't want that one piece tan line. So Maddie was listening to this bit and she said holy shit, this actually sounds really fucking familiar. So we called Brandon, who Maddie and Brandon have never met, and we asked
2: if this was the Hume Lake summer camp. Yeah, Hume Lake Christian camp. I went through this whole thing myself, and when I was in that weird sermon the first day, where they're not a sermon, but it was when the when all the boys went outside and all the girls had to stay back, I remember feeling really awkward because I was... Told that I needed to cover up, and then it 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 set this pretense that something would happen to me if I didn't, mm. and it put all the responsibility on us girls at that Christian camp. And even though we were all modest, modest is hottest, whatever the fuck that saying was. You're also fucking eight. Uh, I think I was. I think I was like thirteen when I okay. went. Okay. Well, no, still, it's, it's still no. Yeah, it's still very weird. But the thing is, is that none of the men were held in their own group to be told what not to do to the women right. that were there. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say women because we were all very underage. All the girls that were there, all the children. Yeah. Um, instead, it was just the girls. We were singled out. It was super awkward. And then what happened the rest of the week that we were there? Everyone was fucking anyway. <laughs> Everyone was fucking and it, but it was weird though because all of the older guys were preying on the younger girls at the camp. Like older counselors or older campers? Older campers because yeah. it extended into like middle school and right. high school and shit like that. Actually, I can't remember if it was. I think they separated the elementary and middle schoolers from the high schoolers, but it was still really weird. It felt like we were just
0: meat. Right. Well, and they kind of even the way that they approach that kind of makes you believe that it's you backwards. are it's backwards
2: they should have held the boys right. back teach and us told, not how to get raped or i'm sorry teach men not how to rape or objectify or harass or yeah there was none of that which was it, it, it's extremely concerning looking back on it now the way that it was handled
0: concerning and also traumatizing as fuck i mean that mindset of our bodies are you know shameful
2: are a weapon yeah and i remember sitting in that group and just feeling like I wanted to fucking hide in my shell because what what was I gonna do take my skin off? Right. No. Right. It was really scary. Fucked up. Anyways. But in, in,
1: as, and as a kid who grew up in evangelical traditional background, I also wasn't sure at different points like all of my stances on gender equality and all these things. But now looking back, I'm I'm kind of horrified, and I have no idea if they actually still do this or not but i know that the kids the girls in my youth group i still know them i'm sure that these experiences and this inequality that they experience about their bodies being portrayed and men can go and do whatever they want well that's the thing
0: it's like why why were the men the boys not pulled into a ceremony to talk about how to respect women or how to not objectify them or how to not look at them as Why is it all put on us? And that's these little experiences that compound over time. Yeah.
1: And the biggest slap in the face was that guys got to go play while the girls got to go be instructed about how to comply. And I dated a girl, too, who ended up being pulled out and almost sent home because of her dress code. And, like, here's someone who wasn't a Christian at the time, who went to the camp because she was friends with one of the girls who was going to camp. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to share good news with her that can help enlighten her life, but you're going to send her home because she's not wearing something that you want her to wear. Like where's the logic in any of that to me? And so if, if you're going to talk to people about being extra sensitive and sexually aware, then do it for people of all different gender Mm -hmm. identities. And also if you're trying to be, if you're trying to create a space where people want to believe in what you believe, don't don't shit on them and send them home because they're different from you. Yeah. Like, where, where's any of the critical thinking in any of this? And also, like, what are the... How are people now experiencing God, experiencing their own self-identity? How are they experiencing the ways that they're afraid now of men, or women, for that matter, mm-hmm. because of other institutions like this?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So that's the first one. The other experience that I've had growing up in the church in terms of sexuality and dating was a either I was junior high or high school. They decided to have a camping night for all of the kids. <laughs> uh, they We brought a bunch of tents. We put them in somebody's nice backyard. Of course, they had one side of girls' tents, one side of guys' tents, and we're all having a great time. We're singing kumbaya. We're eating our s'mores and whatever and me and uh this one girl really hit it off and we have a great time we end up just hugging
0: canoodling just canoodling and <laughs> hugging in, in the moonlight everyone went in to the bed bushes.
1: we might have told her that off mic we're so we we're just we're just having a great time off and then so i hear a leader open up a tent zipper and it's a zzz, and
0: <laughs> bad boys bad boys
1: alarms go off and we look at each other and just start running. <laughs> and I go one way. She goes the other way. For some reason, she decides to go run through their house. Ends up getting cor- like cornered, Uh-oh. cut off. I go straight to my tent. But we thought we got away with it. Maybe she like lied or whatever. But we had to be afraid because we were out hanging out with each other and yeah. whatever consentingly yeah. as kids. But all that being said, I go home and am sat down by my mom and told How I should be so ashamed of myself, and I need to now write a letter to her parents about (laughs) every single thing that we did together, and I'm never to talk to her ever again. Oh my god! And I felt so shitty. I felt like the dirtiest, most horrible person on the planet because I expressed my sexuality, and also in a consenting. So I'm saying, like, just
0: because you're, you know, young, doesn't mean you don't have autonomy over your body. But
1: I, but I'm not because my because my penis and yeah. the rest of my body is evil and something to be af- that I yeah. need to be afraid of. And I
0: d- and I'm sure that that experience, like what was it like at the church did people find out or
1: Oh gosh, I'm sure I okay, so here's what happened. So I go I go back to church regrettably. And <laughs> if you've ever been in a youth group, you know everyone knows each other and you know everyone's leader and her leader looks at me from across the room and gives me this look of disdain like you're of trash. disgust of And then just completely looks away from me. And for the rest of my experience in the youth group, she would never look me in the eye. Like I was some criminal. Right. Or something. Like I had done some unholy thing. And
0: like you weren't just a normal, horny teenager trying to explore. Right. It's fucking normal. Right. And I
1: I still feel shitty about it. I still feel like I'm a bad person because of this. And I remember, I remember the look. It's, it's blazoned into my memory. And the crazy thing too is, that girl texted me the next day and she's like, Hey, you want to hang out again? And I'm like, bruh. And I, yes, I absolutely wanted to hang out with her again, but I also was afraid I was going to catch flames. Yeah. And that I was going to go to hell for eternal torment. And that the community that I was a part of was going to further ostracize me.
0: Mm, Damn. And that's like some deeply ingrained stuff. Like, do you think that that influenced at all as you got older and started dating?
1: Absolutely. Well, and I, So I had considered myself a Christian up until maybe this year, and I'm still, I don't know where I'm at with it, but I definitely don't consider myself to be the same place that I used to be and how I grew up. But that being said, I've I've dated throughout my adolescence and my young adult life, and a lot of these people I've met in the church. And so because of that, a lot of the implications of Sexuality and sexual experiences and dating have happened with other fellow Christians. Yeah, so dating in my young adult life, because of my experience in the church, because of my experiences in summer camp, my experiences in youth group, has been an inadvertently heavy one. I have had multiple experiences where I'm spending time with my significant other and we decide to get more intimate and even if it's not intercourse or even oral sex or something there is this this heavy shame and fear that's in the back of my mind and that I've also experienced with my partner at the time yeah where it's like we want to do this and in our hearts we we actually feel like this is maybe good and beautiful Mm. and part of being connected as a human being and maybe it's not so clear in scripture, but mm-hmm. but you end up going in the spiraling, spiral, spiral of I'm bad. This is bad. I'm actually not sure. Maybe I'm not bad. Maybe this is great. Mm-hmm. I like this, but I actually don't know. And mm-hmm. everybody's going to hate me if they knew. Yeah. And now I need to go talk to my pastor about this. Yeah. And now I need to go tell my Bible study everything that I've done. Yeah. Because all of a sudden I need to confess, 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 confess. But what? Confess, confess what? That you... Go from first to second to third base with your partner, consenting right. partner, in a living, human, healthy, consenting way. Right. I, I don't understand. But I, I what I do know is that I still do carry this for myself. And it's something I've experienced in my own personal relationships, too. Yeah. And I don't know what the solution is. Uh, but I know that it's not right for men to feel like their bodies are bad and destructive mm. and terrible and demonic. And it's not bad it, and it's also bad for women to feel like their bodies are these pornographic objects mm-hmm. or these tempting, horrible,
2: mm-hmm.
1: also destructive yeah. and unhealthy things as well. And for us to explore our sexuality is something explore sexuality outside of marriage even outside of intercourse or something is mm-hmm. going to lead to a nuclear blast of yeah. sin and hell for the rest of eternity. And I know, I know, I know, I know that it sounds like I'm, <laughs> I'm going too far to the extreme on some of these things and coming too far to conclusions, but also understand that this is all coming from places of, of validity in, in that these are the associations that a young person can make mm-hmm. as they're impressionable going through their adolescence Growing up and seeing, oh, I don't actually need to worry about the way that I'm looking at a girl's yeah. ass and everything, but she needs to cover up. Yeah. And also from that girl, oh, my body is dangerous right. and it's something that I need to be ashamed of. And if anything happens to me, it's sure. my fault.
0: Well, and I think that's an interesting point because, it's you wrong. know, I think most of the interpretations and what we've learned about sexuality in regards to religion has been interpreted and preached to us by men. Hmm. And there's not, there's certainly not a fraction of enough female leadership in the church. And, you know, I actually was at, when I was working at the church, I remember being at this kind of workshop thing. And this woman asked our very well-known, very, uh, very, big in the church world pastor you know why are there no women elders here and Mm -hmm. you know elders are the people that you you know they're kind of like below the pastor you Mm -hmm. go to them and there's no elders and his response is that you know in the bible it says that women should not take these positions of leadership and well first of all just logistically back to my point about the context i mean if you look at (laughs) when this book was written Mm -hmm. and the place of women at that time, the reason they say women can't have positions of power is because nobody would have listened to them Mm. at that time. Nobody, women were shat on. They Mm. were not, they, they could not hold positions of power in that society. Yeah. So obviously to push their message message forward, they wouldn't put women in those places because they wouldn't be heard.
1: Absolutely.
0: But we have not, Mm. we have not, shifted based on the way we've grown as humans and so there are no women in these positions and a lot of the ones that are have bought into all of this shit that
1: yeah
0: that again has been preached to us by men but there's certainly not a converse a healthy conversation between women women and and younger girls about their sexuality about how to approach this space about how their body is not something that they need to be ashamed of. And it's not something that they need to hide Mm -hmm. just to be protected. Yeah. And so I think that that's having more, you know, having more women who are, more culturally relevant, who have done more work, I don't know, to be able to have these conversations to kind of debunk the shame and shit. I feel like that that's certainly a really good start.
1: Yeah. And and it's not even just pastoral and elder positions. It's any position of power. Mm-hmm. All the positions of power that I've experienced within my having been part of white evangelical churches has been straight cis white men. Yeah who are in positions of power. And not that straight cis white men can't be incredible leaders, good teachers, incredible pastors, but we're missing out on an entire other portion of humanity giving their their interpretation, their their wisdom, their strength and their guidance somewhere. It's like asking someone who's not a doctor about things with your health. Like who should give the interpretation to help teach about female sexuality? Oh, of course, men. No, no. Are you (laughs) kidding? Are you joking? joking? Are you (laughs) serious? No, absolutely not. And so, if you're going to participate in churches, more women pastors, more women in positions of power, so that some of these ideas can be pushed and less people are going to be harmed, and more a greater voice, a greater understanding, more diversity of opinion, because everything belongs, and we don't need only one perspective telling us and gatekeeping. We don't need one one perspective gatekeeping access to whether it be you believe in God or the universe or the source or whatever it may be.
0: The way that we teach about sex and whether or not to have it is very fear-based, right? Like it's don't do it or you're going to be ostracized. You're going to go to hell. You're going to be impure. And that's my question. Even if we teach about sex in the sense that you should wait until you have a special connection with someone. Great. There is a basis there that we can teach about sex out of love mm-hmm. or out of fear. Yeah. And out of love, to me, in my opinion, looks like, hey, value yourself. Yeah. Know your worth and, and enter others. into this. Yeah. And enter into this sacred space yeah. with people that you have this connection with, because this can like be an actual portal to the source of this universe this ultimate insane pleasure
1: mm-hmm. genuine healthy human connection
0: exactly versus this thing it's like don't do it or else you know and we're taught mm-hmm. about it and, it and it's we're taught about it on this basis of fear yeah. which i think you know fear absolutely has its place in our lives but from an
1: evolutionary standpoint yeah, yeah.
0: of course but here does it does making decisions based off of fear really help anyone? Not really. No.
1: And what and what kind of culture has it created? What ways do young men and women and everybody in between now see themselves as if mm-hmm. they're raised in those cultures? And what kind of damage and therapy ha- am I yeah. now required to do in order to undo some of these thoughts of myself? Yeah.
0: And just even a side note about the way that we do discuss these things when, you know, sexual trauma, I think is one of the greatest that we deal with and greatest. I mean like the biggest, yeah. um, you know, and not even just, I mean, rape, assault, harassment, those, I mean, it's not a secret that rape victims often feel mm-hmm. responsible i have my own experiences which i have not spoken out about and one day i think i i think i will even here in this space um but i took on the responsibility for that Mm. but even these negative experiences where we say yes but we really wanted to say no or these things that we were pushed into and that hurt us that We go into relationships, romantic relationships, and we don't ever fully process these negative experiences or these experiences that make us feel guilty or shameful. And we never talk about them because we're taught not to. And we're taught to feel guilty about them. We're taught to take them on and hide versus actually talking about them openly. I mean, I know people especially of older generations of people close to me who experienced assault or rape Mm -hmm. at young ages and were blamed for that. We're called sluts and whores. And how much of that conversation would look different if the conversation around sex altogether looks different? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Sex, bodies, temptation. Mm Mm-hmm. If it was different and if it was equal. Yeah. Two.
0: Interesting word, temptation. Mm -hmm. Do not give into temptation. That, like, I had no, I, like, no plan of talking about this, but that word just triggered something in me. This idea of, like, I will not give into temptation. What the fuck is temptation? Is temptation a desire? Is temptation something that I desire that shouldn't be
2: desired? Like,
1: yeah, as we're talking about this, I, I, do not believe anymore that it was wrong that that girl and I from youth group had our escapade in the slightest. I think that we were both consenting young people who were interested in each other and maybe we could have picked a better venue (laughs) but that's our only mistake.
0: (laughs) Your only mistake was being at fucking church camp. No, it wasn't even
1: church camp it was someone's backyard in the bushes. Listen, (laughs)
0: You've always been a classy hoe. Me? <laughs> listen, I gotta tell you, when I went to Camp Singani, every year that I went to Camp Singani, I went with the intentions of finding a man. Uh-huh. I mean, Taking listen, names. I was a hoe from a very early age. And I would go to Camp Singani and...
1: Honestly, though, anybody who went to camp, you can't tell me that you didn't think about...
0: Are like, joking? Finding
1: your camp fling or finding your yeah. summer fling. Whether you are a Christian and went to camp or not, like everyone thought about their summer fling and you could probably think of somebody in mind too.
0: Right. We all dreamed about it. Mm -hmm. And on that note, like
1: how dare you? You're bad. (laughs) Fuck that.
0: But there's also like a reason that summer camp, is like such a is such a, a jokeable thing, but also like Catholic schoolboys and Catholic schoolgirls like why do you think all these people go batshit crazy? It's because they're fucking repressed. Yo,
1: when I was in elementary or junior high, we had nature study camp. And you best believe that people were studying nature. That's I
0: was about funny. to be like, study my nature, baby. <laughs> no,
1: honestly. <laughs> nature fucking study camp, dude.
0: Nature. Is my labia considered nature?
1: Well, let's find out. A one, a two, a three.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fucking righty then. I think that's... On that note... (laughs) On that note. On that note, um, is there anything else that you would like to say before we wrap this whole shebang
1: up? Yeah, I think that we covered a lot of ground. And so for those of you who have lasted, well done. You have the endurance of a champ. and For all the guys, gals, and non-binary pals listening, I just wanted to say thank you for uh, the opportunity to get to share a little bit of our experience. And I hope you've learned something today uh, or been challenged or have some feedback too in things that we haven't thought about or that we didn't take into account that can help inform us on our journey. For sure. I also want to speak directly to my fellow men out there who are in relationship with women as I'm sure you are unless you're living in a bubble (laughs) to be bold in the way that you want to be a healing presence in your life there are so many of us who give into the fears that we have to maintain a certain posture or machismo or whatever Mm -hmm. in the spaces that we are and if you have the honor of being in relationship with someone who has experienced some pain and brokenness and they are, they trust you enough to share that you treasure that and you treasure them and you protect that in a world where we don't have shields and swords all around. If there's some gauntlet for you to carry, it's it's those around you who are vulnerable to carry your influence, your voice to step in when you see something is wrong Mm -hmm to resource those who are unresourced and to be the man that I know that you can be. And so for you guys who are listening, as one guy to another, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for for listening to something like this. I'm proud of you for humbling yourself to listen to another perspective that may attack some of your realities. And I I pray that in your journey that you were whether you're person of spirituality or religion or not that you are you are blessed because of the perspectives that you that you take on and in the life that you live so thank you
0: well i'll be damned that was beautiful <laughs> <laughs> um well how the fuck does one follow that well of army i will say thank you so much for arriving in this space and for showing up
1: you know yeah. this
0: is a huge huge fucking topic. I could certainly talk about it for hours and hours and hours. There's a lot of things here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this platform has never been about convincing people of one way or the other. I don't think that there is a right or a wrong. It's all relative. We all have our own experiences. What I get absolutely soaking wet over is the idea that we can all come together and have these conversations, and we don't have to necessarily agree, but, you know, conflict and different contrast, different perspectives is what adds so much beauty to this life. And there are so many things in this conversation that we could absolutely dissect and talk about further. If there is anything that you would like to talk about further, send it in. Please let me know. Uh, Email queendomarmy at gmail.com or my Instagram at wonderlustinglow. Brandon's Instagram, if we want to talk to him, is...
1: Brandon C. Morales.
0: M-O-R-A-L-E-S. Yeah. And I just hope that we can begin, have these conversations can become more normal. Yeah. I imagine a world... (laughs) That sounded so, like... I have a dream. No, you know, I just want people to walk around with a lot less weight on their shoulders, a lot less shame, Mm -hmm. a lot less guilt, because all of that shit belongs here. Mm -hmm. All of your feelings, all of your experiences. You are not impure. You are not dirty. You are not cast out. You are not ostracized. At least here where I'm sitting, you are fucking welcome. Your opinion is welcome. Your experiences are welcome. Your feelings are welcome. And that's why I'm having these conversations that I have personally lived in torment over. Mm. That I have experienced so much shame about just who I am. And it's exhausting to walk around every day and feel like you are a fucking shit show. Yeah, they
1: need it
0: to feel like you're a shit show, to feel like you're dirty, to feel like you're unloved because of where you've been. And I've seen how that's affected other people as well. And that's ultimately why I just started, decided to start like Queendom Come is so that we could put this shit out into the open. Let's shine the light on all the dark spaces and Together, let's fucking thrive and let's be different. Let's have contrast. Let's have different opinions and different experiences. But realize at the very, very core of us, we are all the very, very same. Mm. We are all just living this life, searching for the why. And we are all just wanting to feel loved. We all just want to be understood and be seen. And being able to share our experiences is absolutely the path towards that. At least in my own opinion.
1: That's what the that's what this queendom looks like. Yes. Streets of gold and yeah. radical love.
0: Streets of gold and radical love. Absolutely. So on that note, um Brandon, thank you so much for thank you being a part of this with me. And I'm so excited for where this conversation is going to lead. Again, I'm so grateful for everyone who showed up here. Special shout out to my men, dude. I know you guys get a lot of shit and some of it is absolutely warranted. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But thank you for taking responsibility. Thank you for hearing. Thank you for listening and showing up in those spaces. I am so grateful for you. All of you are not trash. Mm -hmm. I'll be the fucking first to tell you there are some incredible men out there. And I absolutely believe that you are our allies and you are absolutely welcome in the in the queendom. And for my queens, Go out there and fucking thrive this week. I love you guys all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have an amazing week.